Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Sex, Love, and Addiction. This show was created to provide accurate expert information and support for those seeking insight into the painful realities of cheating and infidelity, sex and porn addiction, as well as the relationship between chronic drug abuse and paired sexual behavior, commonly known as chemsex. I'm your host, Dr. Rob Weiss, a licensed therapist, addiction specialist, sexologist, clinical educator, and author of 10 books on intimacy, addiction, sexuality, and relationship health. This podcast is a forum for discussing sex, love, and addiction in frank, fact-based, informative ways. My primary goal is to bring you clear advice, opinions, and feedback from some of the world's most renowned experts in human sexuality, trauma, addiction, mental health, and relationship intimacy. This show is sponsored by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs, which are also dedicated to providing expert-focused, highly specialized residential treatment for men struggling with sex, porn, and related addictions. You can learn more about Seeking Integrity and my work there at www.seekingintegrity.com. Now let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am really glad this week to bring you somebody that, boy, I have a lot of respect for. I have known this man, Dr. Ross Rosenberg, probably for about 15 years. We've seen each other at conferences. Kind of, you know, you guys don't know this, but those of us who, you know, are a little ego focused and have a, a stake in this work, we kind of eye each other at conferences. You know, are they good as good as me? Do they know what they're going to say? Or am I better than them? You know, all this stuff, especially if you're men, you know, we tend to do that. So I, I had this guy and I was like, whoa, I think he's got some things to say. And he eyed me. He was like, whoa, I think you understand some of these issues. And so we've kind of been circling each other for years. And um, let me read you a little bit about Dr. Dr. Rosenberg and, and why I am so impressed with his work. Dr. Ross Rosenberg is a psychotherapist, an international speaker, a best-selling author, and professional trainer who's considered an expert in the fields of codependency, trauma, narcissism, and narcissistic abuse. Ross's Human Magnet Syndrome books, uh, published in 2013 and then again in 2018, have sold over 70 million copies and are published in French, Spanish, and Czech. He has traveled to 30 states and twice to Europe to present workshops. Ross's work on codependency, narcissism, and trauma, called the self-love recovery movement, I would say, or his codependency cure has earned him international recognition. Ross owns clinical care consultants, a multi-location Chicago suburb counseling center, and the Self-Love Recovery Institute, an educational company offering, promoting personal and professional development. Welcome, Dr. Rosenberg. <laughs> well, well, first of all, Dr. Weiss, thank you for your generosity. First, I'm not a doctor, and you are. Second, I wish I sold 70 million copies. <laughs> oh, does that say 70,000? 70, oh, well, okay. I like your number, but yes. Well, would you like? I can call you the doctor who sold 70 million books, and that would be okay, except it wouldn't be true. So Ross is a therapist and, and uh, an expert in addiction, with or without the doctorate, <laughs> and a friend. So tell me, tell me, uh, friend, um, what's going on in your world? What do you focus on these days? I hear you may be practicing less and writing more. Well, I, you know, I've been working pretty hard with two companies, my counseling center and Self-Love Recovery Institute, and I'm trying to position myself so I can finally write this book um, that um, I'm going to call The Codependency Cure, Recovering from Self-Love Deficit Disorder. And I'm just trying to like practice what I preach, take better care of myself so I'm not working, 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 so I can like unleash the passion and, and kind of connect to uh, writing something that I believe the world needs to hear about. 
So I don't want to say to everybody that um, I, I already knew what Dr. Rosenberg was working on, but I wanted him to say it that because I, I, I hope some of you can relate this to this. Those of us who, who are caregivers, who really nurture other people and support, we are hypocrites, you know, because we are often saying to people, you know, take more time off or just spend a weekend in reflection. Or meanwhile, we are writing, we are racing, we are, you know, doing our career stuff and being crazy people. So I do think at about our age, somewhere uh, in late midlife, you kind of wake up and say, wait, I'm working hard, but am I working, working smart? Because if the goal is for me to be happy and have joy, uh, this ain't it. And uh, so I wanted to promote that you are in that stage, uh, Ross. Thank you. So um, we're really going to talk about, because I think this is an area that you have uh, more expertise than me, the challenge that many, many women come to me for, um, and I hear this online all the time, and I'll just play it out to you as I did when we were chatting earlier. I have a woman who comes to me on in the rooms or sex and relationship healing.com. And she says, you know, I've just dated so many men who were losers. I've dated men who are alcoholic and drug addicts who didn't want to get sober. I've dated men who were abusive or took things from me or hurt me or cheated all the time. And, you know, I just don't want to hurt anymore. And I just, I kind of don't want to date. I think the answer is I'm not going to date and have sex anymore. I'm done and I'm 38 or I'm 42 or I'm 54. And I just feel such sadness for these women because I know that they're missing out on the greatest gift life has to offer, which is connection. So tell me from your perspective, you know, how can a woman like this begin to have hope that maybe she could date somebody who is healthy and reasonable and, and loving? Well, it's, it's, it's a tricky question because the answer is pretty complicated. So I'll give you my best simple answer is that what people need in order to get hope is they have to understand the problem as it really is, not what people have told them it is or what mm. they have um, been believing it is. So this whole codependency issue, the word in itself is pathological. It, it, it connotates um, weakness and neediness. And so what the first thing that I do, and usually people before they see me have either seen my YouTube videos or read my book and understand that this disorder they have is really a problem with self-love def- deficiency. And it's traced back to early childhood trauma, core shame, and this addiction that they have that drives them into these unhealthy relationships. So when they are that desperate and they're in that much pain, the first thing that we should do is we should meet them where they're at and affirm their experience in a way that resonates to them. And and I want to interrupt you for just one second, uh, Ross, because... Um, you've said something I want to clarify before we move to the next step, which is it's not unusual for these women to come to me, and I'm sure they do to you, and say things like, these are the distortions you're talking about. Maybe nobody, maybe I'm just unlovable. Maybe I will, I don't know how to pick the right person ever. Maybe, in other words, you just mentioned the important, one of the important starting points is to say, maybe the conclusions you've reached about these problems are not necessarily accurate. And maybe we can help pull this apart and look at it differently. Is that kind of what you were saying? Um, well, Yes. Um, what, what I'm saying is when someone first comes to see me for help, they're in a lot of pain, and it's usually what they identify as codependency because that's the word that's out there. And either they've read my, my book, The Human Magnet Syndrome, or have gone online to YouTube, and they found out that um, my approach to self-love deficit disorder resonates with their experience, that they understand that this is not a problem of bad decisions, bad thinking. It's a problem of self-love that is anchored in core shame, a fear of pathological loneliness, and this addiction, this powerful addiction that drives them into these dysfunctional relationships. 
Okay, so I would just say to you as one of these women, um, wait a minute, I, I don't want to go, I just want to meet the right guy. I mean, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, are you, what is this, years of work or something? I mean, I just, you know, just help me how to meet the right person and we'll be fine. See, I don't really work really hard on trying to give people easy solutions. Mm. I give them the truth and, it, and my experiences, and it's an overwhelming experience that when I introduce the idea that the problem that you identify, the person identifies as codependency is nothing more than a symptom a mm -hmm. symptom that will repeat itself. And when I explain, I kind of do a reversal from the problem that they experience as codependency and, and give them ideas like they're running away from pathological loneliness. When I introduced that idea, the codependency uh, treatment world mm -hmm. changed because every person that I know that identifies with being codependent or self-love deficient, they will tell you that outside of a relationship, they deal with deep, bone-aching loneliness. Mm. And then when I explain to them that this comes from this core shame of feeling fundamentally broken or bad enough mm -hmm. that requires you to make someone else happy in order to have self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And then when I explain, well, this comes from a childhood that in which you were a victim because one of your parents was a narcissist and the other is a codependent. And I, and I, I have this whole model in, in a pyramid. And what I call in my first stage of my recovery program, I explain to them, there's hope for you because now we have an explanation. The problem with most codependency recovery programs, which just simply don't work, um, is that they're working on the symptoms or providing what I call Band-Aid therapy. And so my experience has been over the last five years is people have this, this understanding, but I see this all the time. Once you explain to them or give them a logical explanation, not only does it help them have hope, because you can't change something if you don't understand it. And if people are saying, well, this codependency thing is about bad habits, bad thinking, bad choices, and you help them understand both they are the victim because of what happened to them and responsible, it gives them kind of a roadmap from which hope uh, for the future uh, springs forward. So what you're saying is it's not just about me picking the right person or dating in a different way, or it's really about finding a new relationship with myself that leaves me resolving some of the emptiness I feel when I'm alone and the longing for connection, which is not just about maybe now, it's about a feeling I've had all my life. Right. Yeah. This, this human magnet syndrome, this draw that everyone experiences, healthy and dysfunctional, is an unconscious dynamic that plays out no matter how much we desire to change our choices. Once we understand that this comes from a part of us that we have not faced, have not been able to face, and we practitioners early on in treatment give them hope and talk about not only the method uh, from which they'll be able to um, get hope and, and finally heal and, and experience self-love and, and be able to meet and be attracted to other self-loving people. It's a very important beginning part of treatment. Sorry, that thing about being an inside job, that's kind of what you're talking about. Absolutely. But you also... And, and where you're going, you got to give them hope. You got, I mean, they're like broken inside and they're in pain and they don't understand why they keep hopeless. hopeless. And, and they don't understand why relationship after relationship, they fall in love with the same person. As my therapist once told me, Ross, the problem with you is you fall in love with the same person, but a different face. <laughs> so this isn't just women then? No, no, this is, this, this applies to all romantic relationships and mm. personal relationships. Because if you are what my first book uh, labels codependent, but what I now label self-love deficient, you are going to fall in love with someone that feels familiar 
and paradoxically safe. The person that you learned early on that it, that loves you was that narcissistic parent that hurt you. Mm-hmm. And we repeat those patterns until we get to the original condition uh, from which our relationship template or our attraction patterns began. Okay, wait, I'm, I'm going to keep people from, because I know that everyone gets really confused and get down in the weeds. So I'm going to keep them out of the weeds just for a moment and, and clarify something. You've written a lot about codependency. And I think you probably started out being a believer or, or you've changed your focus. But I, I will say this, when I wrote Prodependence, Moving Beyond Codependency, I quoted Ross because I thought he really well understood that what this idea had become, maybe not how it had started out, but what it had become is this kind of pop culture dumping on people's desire to connect. Right. And it's interesting you said what you said, Ross, because I, and I, I, I think you said something like people feel weak, like they, you said something about relationships, how people pick people. And, and I was just thinking like, well, yeah, if you say weak is vulnerable and share, you know, you have to be vulnerable, you have to be open, you have to be all of those sort of things that we call negative and codependent to be in a healthy relationship. You have to let down your guard, you have to depend on people, you have to let them in. And so, um, first of all, I just want to remind everybody codependence has never been a diagnosis, it has been 400 and Lord knows how many pop books. And I think what, uh, what Ross is trying to do, and, and myself included, what we're trying to do is give people new ways to love themselves rather than call themselves bad names, to find strength-based ways of healing rather than looking at our deficits and our negative parts. Absolutely. I'll never forget the day. Uh, it's funny because I, I remember the day when I came up with the terms human magnet syndrome, but the day that I, I've always hated, despised the term codependency. And, and I was thinking, I got to come up with another name for it. <laughs> and, and one day, um, it just hit me. The name of the problem is the problem, is the lack of self-love. And then shortly thereafter, I realized as much as I dislike codependency, I also realized even self-love deficit disorder had a negative sound to it. So the resolution of the problem, self-love deficiency, is self-love abundance. So my program... Um, starts off with self-love deficit disorder. And with the 10 stages of, of the treatment, people will transition into self-love abundance and there's no turning back, which is why I call it a cure. No, once you start growing, you don't stop growing. Yes, but bigger than that, once you solve the fundamental causes of it, that the attachment trauma, which is unconscious, the core shame, which is semi-conscious, the loneliness and the addiction, once you solve that, that person no longer has any reason to keep repeating the patterns, and they are free to finally love themselves and be the person that they always should have been. And, and I want to modify just a little. I, I don't know that we ever fully resolve, and dis- these issues don't disappear, but we recognize them. We have a better relationship with them. We can make better choices around them, and we may have some disagreement. But I, you know, sometimes when I hear trauma folks say trauma can be cured, trauma can be resolved, but it can't be. It could, as I write about and talk about in my YouTube videos and my trainings, is trauma for for self love recovery. The trauma and and all the trauma therapists, the brilliant people whose shoulders I stand upon, Besser Vanderkoll, Peter Levine, they talk about the necessity to bring trauma from the unconscious darkness into the conscious space where you can integrate it. With the integration of the trauma, you no longer are pulled back to the unconscious patterns of relationships, which is a human magnet syndrome. Because it starts to make sense and your intellect can grab onto it and say, oh, well, that's why I'm doing that. And oh, I could do it differently. And oh, that's how my mother did it. And all of a sudden it becomes known, the unknown becomes known. 
Exactly. And when it's known, then that's where the therapy starts. You can't solve a problem that's invisible. And if it's literally disassociated from you or repressed from you, there's no way that most therapists can solve this SLDD or codependency problem if they're not looking at what it really is, which is based in trauma that is largely unaccessible to their clients. Hey there. I sure hope you're enjoying this Sex, Love, and Addiction podcast. Before we continue, I'd like to remind you that if you or someone you know or love needs treatment for sex addiction, porn addiction, or co-occurring drug problems, Seeking Integrity can help. For more information, please visit our website at www.seekingintegrity.com. That's seekingintegrity.com. Or call us at 747-234-4325. Now, one of the things that I struggle with in our conversation is that I know a lot of people, in fact, the majority of people who hear this are not going to get to endless therapy sessions. They're not going to go to three years of therapy. They're not going to uncover the vast majority of folks, if they get six sessions in their life because they're in a crisis, you know, that's more than most people even get. So how do we offer, because you know, I'm all about democratizing this work. That's why we do these podcasts for free. Um, how do we help the person on the street who doesn't necessarily have the resources to, or the time to delve deeply into their past? I mean, and then let me just say this, you know, I, I will say to people, I think you have a bad picker. I think that that picker has to do with what you learned with growing up and I can help you make better decisions. In other words, when I bring people into community and they make their dating decisions based on what their friends think, what their families think, what the people they love and treasure think, and not just alone in that moment with that person that they're mildly obsessed with, that there are ways, for example, this one I just brought up, by bringing your community into your dating, that you can begin to have healthier choices around it because you're not alone with the problem. So how how can people who don't necessarily have the ability to do the hard work of looking at themselves in that way, because they've got two kids and they don't have the time and they don't have the money, what about them? So, so I have two ways to answer this. First is using an analogy. If you have cancer and you go to your oncologist and you say, I only have time for six chemo sessions when the doctor says, well, you need 20. 20 is what it takes and, and that's going to save your life. And the doctor can't solve the person's problem, financial problem or insurance problems. It just, it's what it is. But that said, you know, I have a YouTube channel that has 120 videos, and um, just yesterday, um, the channel was viewed 20,000 times. So I have information out there that talks all about the many elements and facets that you and I are talking about and beyond. There's my books, and there's my trainings that people can get um, for very re- a reasonable cost. YouTube's free. And then when they do have the resources and the time, they can find a therapist who um, is willing to help them overcome it. It might sound cold, but there's no way to solve self-love deficit disorder or this codependency thing in six sessions, but you can give people resources that can help them through the pain and help them begin the process. And I would, I would suggest to you, and we're going to talk about this, that I think that there's a lot of work you can do online. And there may be things that we can give to people on a regular basis. You know, we have a site called sexandrelationshiphealing.com. Mm-hmm. And we have live webinars. In fact, doctor, or doctor, I'm not going to call you doctor anymore. I've yeah, with doctors I've... lately. I think you should come online and maybe do a webinar or do a lecture or do some interactive work with people because I think that's where the future is. You know, I, I don't, if we're going to be doing therapy, I don't think we'll be doing it in our offices. You know, people don't necessarily want to drive in traffic with two different cars 
to get to our office to hear the bad news for $200 and then go home and see their kids and try to feed them. You know, they want to go home and be comfortable and take care of their family and then maybe sit up in a corner and turn on the computer and talk to their therapist. So I I see the world changing and I'm so glad to see that your YouTube and, and your work is accessible to so many people. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because I accidentally discovered YouTube and, and I get letters all the time, hundreds of them um, every day. People um, attribute their mental health, their, their safety. And so to, to what you're saying is whether it's a podcast, whether it's a, um, a, a webinar or whether it's YouTube videos or, my, or the full length videos I, I sell on self-love recovery, there's a new way of getting healthy now that wasn't available to us when we were younger. There are online sources and resources, some of which people should uh, be very careful with and some of which um, are very helpful. And I provide 75% of all the therapy I provide is through online and video, uh, through video cameras. So all the rules are changing and there's more choices than ever. And there's no reason to be alone and hopeless in this fight for self-love abundance. Do you think that men and women are different in the struggle? Because I introduced this show by talking about women. And the truth is that, is that I don't hear from a lot of men that say, well, I do hear from some that say I'm love addicted or I'm codependent or I date all the wrong women. But it seems to be much more often women who struggle with this particular piece. So to the problem of self-love deficit disorder, aka codependency, more women, my, 75% of my clients are women. And I don't believe that's because 75% of all SLDs are women. I think that going to therapy and being vulnerable and wanting to seek help because of um, our culture and our society has made it so much easier for a woman to reach out for help and more difficult for a man. But um, I, I believe that if there was ever some great research out there and, and someone you know did this survey, that um, 44 of all SLDs are women, and excuse me, 55% are women and 45% are men. It's just the men don't see it as easily because- Mm -hmm. They don't have words for it. They can't articulate. They don't- Yes, exactly what you said. And the shame is exponentially higher for a man who's in a relationship, who's being used, abused, neglected, gaslit. That's right. So a man, you're absolutely right. It's sort of like, so I work in a world where men have sexual problems and women don't, but that's not true. And we also work in a world where women have love problems, but men don't. But that's not true. That's absolutely. So yes, I think there are more SLD codependent women, uh, but I also believe in, in that it just our society and the way that we're raised makes it harder for SLD men, someone who doesn't have self-love, someone who is shamed, someone who's feel disconnected, lonely. And as I've understood, and I explained in my book, who's been gaslit by their narcissistic partner, it's much harder and the shame is deeper for a man, which is sad because the men need help just as much as the women. So Ross, you know, people might be surprised that I invited you on considering I really don't believe that codependency has been a helpful label and you do use the word, but I want to explain to everybody how Ross and I fit together. What I wrote about in Prodependence, the end of codependency is about what the spouse of an addict or the loved one of an addict or the family member of an addict needs to receive in therapy and treatment when they first walk in the door. I wrote Prodependence so that we don't call the partner of an addict or the parent of an addict codependent or any kind of negative label. So we validate their attempts to help the person they love because that's what it is, an attempt to help someone they love, whether it works or not. And that we get them all the support and love they need without labeling them, without judging them, or without challenging them with pathologies like codependency. And this is where Ross comes in because his work picks up with, yes, so once the crisis is over, if you choose to look at yourself, here's, some, here's what it's all about underneath. 
And that's what codependency was really all about. It was about the problems we have for those of us who have these problems in overly dependent relationships. But because the word has become so such a pop culture icon and it tends to indicate like weakness and vulnerability in relationships are bad, which is absolutely untrue, that dependency is bad, which is really untrue, um, it's become a negative term that we're trying to eliminate. So when Ross talks about, talks about codependency, he's talking about a lot of things that codependency always spoke about, but not as a label, not as a judgment, more as an explanation, as an understanding. Yeah, and what I did in the Human Magnet Center, well, there's, it's, it's, I'm in an, in an interesting, somewhat um, double-blind moment in my career because my Human Magnet Syndrome uses the word codependency. And I say in the book, as you read, I don't like that term. And not only do I not like the word, but it has to be redefined. The book redefines codependency. And then after that book was written, I just said, I don't even want to use codependency anymore. So I use self-love deficit disorder. So I will slip back into the word codependency, but it doesn't mean anything other than someone who tragically and habitually falls in love with someone or is in relationships with someone in which they give all of the love, respect, and care to another person. They want it to be returned it's not. Um, they try to get it, and they stay in a relationship. So what I've done in my Human Magnus Center book is I talked about it in more complicated terms, but I simplified it. And so that we take out these negative connotations, these judgmental connotations. So if, we're, if, if codependency is something that makes us always fall in love with a narcissist or someone who needs everything and we get nothing, now we have an explanation. And, and part of that and part of what Ross and I are trying to do is take away this idea that dependency is a bad thing. Everything in the work that people like Stan Tatkin and uh, Harville Hendricks and other people I've interviewed and my own work talks about and, and Ross's as well is that we're dependent by nature. Dependency is a good thing. You know, we should long for connection. We should want to be with a partner. We should keep looking until we find someone. Pair bonding is a part of the human condition. But when it hasn't gone well and and it isn't going well, we're trying to provide explanations to help people find their way to healing without having to say, oh, look how broken and I am. But more, I need to learn some skills. I need to learn how to negotiate relationships in a way that's healthier for me. And I just never learned them. Right. And, and, the, whole, and the word codependency is just a crappy word because the dependency part doesn't even mean dependency on another person. It's, it comes from alcohol dependency which then was, and it's in your book and it's in my book, but the word codependency doesn't even make sense. It's a, prob it's a problem with someone who gives everything to everyone, wants it to be reciprocated, it's not, and they stay in the relationship despite getting hurt. So that's not dependency. There's nothing dependent on that. that you've, you've it's more addiction. It's more, it's more objectified. It's more, I love exactly. how this person makes me feel, but I hate how they make me feel, but you're not looking at them really at all. No, it's, yeah, exactly. It's not, it's, they're not dependent on anyone. They've given up on being dependent on anyone. They're just running away from the possibility of being lonely and, and connecting to this shame of theirs. So they latch onto someone as their drug of choice. So mm -hmm. codependency, as I explained, or SLDD, is an addiction, and the narcissist is not the drug of choice. The pain of being alone or pathological loneliness connects them to their core shame that connects them to their trauma as a child, and that pain is so deep that they will do everything and anything to run away from the, the loneliness, and then they find a person. And who does the SLD fall in love with? According to my book, 
it's always going to be the person that fits them best, and that's going to be a narcissist. Or someone equally emotionally unavailable, like an active addict. And, and as I explained in my book, addicts, um, there are four categories that I call pathological narcissists. Borderline, a narcissistic, and antisocial personality disorder, and an addict. Mm-hmm. And like a dancing couple, the codependent is the giver, the, the patient person. They sacrifice. The person that fits with them is the taker. So if a dance is going to work, it, they have to be perfectly coordinated opposites. The codependent does not know what to do with a healthy person. This is they're they're playing they're playing out their attachment trauma. Well, I I wouldn't say codependent, but I would say the what was the word? What is your? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. See, see, I'm still struggling with the word the SLD. So let's try this. But for for the people who are listening, the, for those what we're talking about is people who were deprived of intimacy, who were deprived of the lessons they needed to learn how to love, who got misrepresentations in childhood of what love is, and they're going down blind alleys. Exactly. Because that's all they know. They don't know that big wide open street that where the love really is. Well, that just seems way too scary and there's too many car, cars. But here in this dark alley, there's so many nice people, but they're all the wrong people. And so our goal is to get people out on the street, if you will, Harry, that metaphor in the much more open space where it's scary out there. You can get hurt. You can get let down. You're not guaranteed you're going to glue on to this person as you can with dysfunction. But that's taking those vulnerability risks, that's where the real love is. And But vulnerability risk is not what's going to make the um, SLD happier. By the way, my disclaimer is when I use codependency, and I don't apologize for it because I redefine it in my book, and I, and I scrubbed it free from all the negative connotations. But it, but unfortunately, the culture doesn't look at it that way. So when we say codependency, and this is why I try to sort of say this word, maybe we need to address it, and I don't want to reinforce it in the culture, is because people think people think they understand what that means. And unfortunately, everyone actually has a different meaning of codependency because there have been 440 books on the topic and no actual diagnosis. So it doesn't really exist. It's kind of a pop culture theory. But what you're talking about is it does exist. People who have deficits, people who missed out on stuff, people who are doing the best they can to love, but they just really keep finding the pain they grew up with. Exactly. It's a, that broken picker, that one that always picks the person that feels so good in the beginning, right. the soulmate that inevitably becomes a cellmate. <laughs> the best we can do is let people know what the problem is and explain it's not codependency, as you understand, but it comes from what you and I already talked about, and then give them a path, a blueprint forward, and in giving them hope and having them know that once they solve the problems that keep them from loving themselves, they will finally get what they deserve is someone who can love, respect, and care for them. And that we then the codependency idea, the self-love deficit dis- disorder idea is neutralized. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, Ross Rosenberg, author of The Human Magnet Syndrome, The Codependent Narcissist Trap. Ross, if people want to reach you or get a hold of you or see your work, where directly would they be the best able to find you? Um, selfloverecovery.com has all of my products and resources and also YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Rosenberg. And what I think, I think what Ross brings the most, and I want you to hear this folks is hope, hope that you can love, hope that you can find your way out of challenge and have what everybody deserves, which is peaceful, loving, spiritually driven, beautiful connection. Thank you, Ross. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. And this was great. Thank you, Rob. Hi, this is Dr. Rob again. Thank you for joining us today. If this show has inspired you to seek further information for yourself or someone you love, I encourage you to visit our treatment center website, which is www.seekingintegrity.com. There you'll find some useful information about the residential treatment we provide, which I think is some of the best 
most useful short-term effective intensive care you can find for sexual addiction and compulsivity, as well as combined drug sex or chem sex problems. On SeekingIntegrity.com, you can find some useful advice and direction for healing. And don't forget, if you want to write me about this podcast or reach any of my guests, please write me at rob at SeekingIntegrity.com. I really look forward to our next time together. Take good care.